I believe we are all here with great purpose and you deserve to live your best life. What I've discovered on this journey is that our realities are a manifestation of what's going on on the inside. I had reached this point in life where I deeply, deeply questioned, what is my purpose? And there was this voice in my head that said, you're not worthy. Once I made the courageous decision to change, that's when everything shifted. And then there was this confidence that spilled over into all areas of my life, into my relationships, my businesses, and I even became a better mother. My motto, you have everything inside of you to create the life that you want. Welcome to Creatrix, the transformative show that is all about you. This intriguing program will empower you to create and activate the precise dream-filled life you desire. And now, the host of Creatrix, Amira Mondin. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome. Welcome to Creatrix, creating the life that you want. I am your host, Amira Mondin, also known as Lotus. Why? Because I empower you to rise above your circumstances, to reign in life. So as always, good morning, good morning to my powerful creators and friends on the West Coast. Just getting your day started. Good morning and good afternoon to those on the East Coast and to those of you that are settling in all across the world. As always, I trust and I know that you owned your day and that you reigned in this life. So today I have a powerful inspiring, heart-wrenching story of triumph. I want you to imagine. Imagine dying and then getting not one, not two, but three more chances at life. My guest today went into sudden cardiac arrest on Christmas Eve 2012. Now, Johnny Davis was vibrant and healthy. He was an athlete. He was a businessman. He never smoked or used drugs, and he had no family history of heart disease. And at age 34, he died and awakened in a hospital. He had been dead for 16 minutes. He was revived, but was in a coma, and his beautiful wife, Rachel, was told he would potentially be in a vegetative state, and he would never never be the same again. There are other plans for Johnny. Today, Johnny Davis, better known as JD, is a world-renowned business, wealth, and success coach, helping others to win at life by teaching them how to transform their minds and utilize their resources to achieve success. His story, his story from the grave and back is one of faith, courage, Truth, and that's truth with a capital T, mindset and finding your life purpose. It is an absolute honor to have him as a guest today on my show. Johnny, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am outstanding. How are you? (laughs) I am really looking forward to sharing your story with the listening audience. And so we're going to jump right in uh, because there's just so much that I know that you uh, have to share and the value that you're going to bring. And, uh, you know, I I really want to start off by just asking you to tell us about your background 
and the journey up into that Christmas Eve when you went into cardiac arrest. Okay, awesome. Well, I, I want to start here because you, you said something that was kind of not so correct in terms of <laughs> okay, the story. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, so I wanted to uh, just start by clarifying that at age 34, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And it was between age 34 up until age 40, December 24th of 2012 is when I had sudden cardiac arrest. So okay. just that little caveat. Okay, yeah, thank you. Good. Yes, appreciate that. Yes, definitely. So at 34, yeah. you were diagnosed. And then at age Correct. 40 on Christmas Eve is when you uh, went into cardiac arrest. Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay. I was diagnosed so, with congestive heart failure at age 34. And prior to that, so I'll, I'll start there. You know, okay. prior to my diagnosis, I was a successful entrepreneur. I got involved in the network marketing space at age 24 years old, and I was able to retire from corporate America by age 31 years old. And so I was living life to the fullest. I was, I was having a great time. I was traveling the country, just doing all the things that a young, successful person would do. By age 34, I relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina from New Jersey because I wanted to enjoy more of the American dream, if you will, because the, the cost of living in the South was a lot less than the cost of living up in the Northeast. And so I decided to relocate and just spread my wings, expand my network, and, and could just, just continue to grow and go into different directions and embark on different journeys and climb new heights and so on and so forth. And it wasn't until December of uh, 05, I really started to feel sick to the point where I had no, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, we went to a, an executive retreat earlier that year in, no, in November of 2005. Myself and a bunch of my colleagues who were hanging out in Destin, Florida, and uh, we just had a great, great time. But while I was there, I began to feel really, really sick to the point where it felt like nothing that I would, that I would uh, drink or eat would digest. And so I just thought it was indigestion, and I went to the uh, local pharmacy when I came back home and bought some over-the-counter medication, and I was taking that, and to no avail, it didn't work. So I bought some more stuff. I did some more research. I did what most men would do. I went on WebMD and <laughs> tried to find out exactly what was going on. I wanted to self-diagnose mm-hmm. myself, and, uh, and so I did that. I did that and went to the store and bought some more over-the-counter medication. Didn't work. And, you know, long story short, fast forward from December to February, when I came back, uh, I went to New Jersey for the holidays, Christmas holidays. I came back here in Charlotte for my, on my birthday. I, I just turned uh, 30, 35. And at that time, it was just, I, I, I was like death warmed over. And the following month in February, a friend of mine had come over to the house and saw that my feet and my ankles were so swollen, I hadn't left the house. And they were like, I'm going to take you to the hospital right now because you look, you look like you're going to die. And in that moment, I was taken to the hospital. And they misdiagnosed me as having a, I was mis- misdiagnosed as having a peptic ulcer. Didn't have the ulcer. 
They kept me for overnight observation, and they ran a battery of tests on me. And the next day, that's when they told me that I had congestive heart failure. And I had no idea what that meant because I had never had any major illness before. I've been an athlete, played football and basketball throughout my early, early years, high school, college. I didn't abuse my body with drugs or alcohol, never smoked anything a day in my life. So for me to be diagnosed with congestive heart failure, you know, at, at such a young age, it was just like, what in the world is going on? How did this happen? You know, where did this come from? And I was the youngest person in the cardiac world. And I was just totally baffled as to how, how this happened. Mm-hmm. And um, so at that point, I just had all these all these thoughts going through my mind in terms of what this meant, what my life was going to be like. Here I am, 34, 35 years old. What is going, this was happening to me. And so all of the information that the doctors were telling me at that time was that, you know, my heart was only functioning at 8% capacity. I was mm-hmm. 24 hours away from expiring. So if my friend hadn't shown up when they did to take me to the hospital, I wouldn't be here today. So I was 24 hours away from expiring, but just didn't know it, did not know it. I felt the life literally leaving out of me, but I didn't know that it was that dire. Mm. Johnny, let me ask you something there, because you said that you didn't know it. Uh, And then at the same time in your book, when you received the first diagnosis that it was a, a peptic ulcer, you said that something said, no, that's not right. What, what was that something? What, what happened internally that said, nope, I'm not satisfied with that, that then took you to on the path of more tests and more studies? I want, I want you to talk a little bit more about um, the dissatisfaction in what you were being told versus what you were receiving internally. Right, right. Well, I was first diagnosed, I was um, misdiagnosed as having a peptic ulcer because ultimately I did after doing my own research and trying all these different over-the-counter medications, I finally decided to go to the doctor. And uh, that's when they misdiagnosed me as, as having a peptic ulcer. And I did not accept that diagnosis because I never had any stomach problems mm. ever in my life. Never, ever, ever. And so for me, I had to dig a little deeper and find out exactly what it could be. And so I just knew right from there, that something was, that that could not be right. I just couldn't. So your intuition, that. your intuition said, no, this is not right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And you listened yeah. to it and you trusted it. I listened to it. I trusted it. and um, But I trusted it to the point where I, I then went and got another, I saw two, doc, two doctors. I went, the first doctor misdiagnosed me with the peptic ulcer. The second doctor kind of like piggybacked what the other doctor said and changed my medication at the time. And I started taking that regimen and it didn't work either. And it just, it just made me even sicker. So at that point on, I knew that something definitely wasn't right. Um, and I got a little scared. Here, here, here's the point right here where people will say, well, why didn't you just go to the hospital? Mm-hmm. Here's the reason why I didn't go to the hospital. I was scared. Mm. Plain and simple. I was scared. And what were you afraid of? I was afraid to find out the absolute worst. I was afraid to hear that you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Even though I felt the life leaving me, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have it confirmed that you're going to die. 
I didn't want to hear that. So in my scared state, even though I knew the best thing for me to do would, to, mm-hmm. would be to go and seek medical attention at a higher level, the fear, the fear, and this is why I really talk about this so much going forward in my teaching, the fear to almost kill me. My fear of being able to push through to find out the inevitable or the alternative. So you were in denial. You, you, denial. You just you didn't you didn't want to know. Denial to the denial to the ten x to, to the tenth degree. Mm-hmm. And that fear was literally crippling you. Major step. It literally right crippled me. It stopped me in my tracks. It froze me in my tracks. And um, and again. God knows he's in control of everything, right? That's, I believe that. That's just my belief. So this is why when my friends showed up when they did at the time and said, mm. I'm going to take you to the hospital. Mm. It wasn't even a question of, do you want to go? It was, I'm going to take you. And I didn't have, I didn't have the strength mm-hmm. to fight. Because had your friend not taken you, then you wouldn't have gone, and you would have died. I wouldn't have gone. I probably would have died. Because that fear said, you're staying right here in this house. We're not going. We don't want to know. And then your your friend is an angel that came and took command and said, you're going. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Johnny, I just want to honor you right here for a second because, and I want to thank you for speaking your truth and speaking your truth from a a place of strength and authority because um, we know, and I know you, you, you celebrate this, vulnerability is power. Vulnerability is power. And the fact that you knew that it was fear that was stopping you. And then the fact that you also were humble enough that when that angel showed up in the form of your friend and said, we're taking you to the hospital, that you honored that. That's a big deal. So uh, so thank you for sharing that. Now, now let's, let's go back a little bit more and um, take us through. Okay, so your friend takes you to the hospital. You receive the diagnosis. What happens after that? What happens after that was the, the beginning of accepting what my new life was going to be. You know, I had a conversation with um, my doctor while I was there. I affectionately call him Dr. Cowboy Boots because he always had these, uh, these, these cool cowboy boots. And uh, we, we, had a, we developed a great rapport while I was there. And um, I had a cocktail of all this medication. And I asked him a question. I said, Doc, how does all of this medication work together? And what's going to be the long-term side effect of my body? He said to me, I don't know. I don't know how all this medication works. None of us do. So we're just trying to find the best combination of medication that your body can tolerate because your heart is really, really, really bad. You're at 8% capacity. And you're young enough to have a a good recovery, strong recovery, a complete full recovery, highly unlikely because there were several of your cells that just died. Your heart cells, they don't regenerate. But what I want to share with you is this. Once we find the right combination of medication that your body can tolerate, you have to understand that it's going to get worse for you before it gets better. This is going to be a long journey. This is not going to be something that's going to repair itself in 30 days or 60 days. This is something that you're going to have to really 
really work through. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. And, and so from that point on, I'm like, okay, I've got a tough fight ahead of me. I'm up for it. I grew up in North New Jersey. Doesn't get any tougher than that. <laughs> that was my mindset. So I'm like, okay, I'm up for the tough journey because I, I, I want to live. So no matter what I have to go through, I'm willing to go through it because I want to live. And all the information that I was receiving from the medical community was saying that individuals that had my heart condition would not live past 50 years old. Rarely do they even live past 55. And so that was another hurdle. Like, okay, tough journey. Now I have to make it to 50 years old because I have to, I have to prove everybody wrong. I have to live, not only do I have to reach 50, but I have to go through 50 and I have to live until I'm 90, until, until God calls me home. But this is not going to be my story. So just getting to the point where I can wrap that around my mind and know that this, this journey was ahead of me. It is going to be tough, but it was going to be a journey that was mine. Whatever it was that I was being prepared for, that this was going to be part of the story. And I just had to go through it. And whatever the outcome was going to be, that's what the outcome was going to be. So now, Johnny, when they are giving you all of this information, you're laying in a hospital bed when you're receiving all of this information, correct? Mm-hmm. You, had just, you had just woken up, if you will. And so you're faced with fear. The fear is still there. You're being told that there's uncertainty around the medication that they're giving you, that we're just going to test some things out and try to find the right things. We don't know if they're going to work or not. You've been given um, that there's a tough road ahead, that uh, I think the statistics was that you mentioned about 5%, less than 5% actually live after this. You weren't going to make it to age 50, they told you, right? But then something inside of you said, no, no, I want to live. And I want you to tell us more about that. I want you to tell us more about your defining moment when faced with all of this adversity. And we're going to talk about that as soon as we take a quick break and we come back. If you have questions for Johnny and you'd like to engage, please give us a call here at the show at 1-888-346-9141. Again, 888-346-9141. You're listening to Creatrix, creating the life that you want. We'll be back in a moment. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We all experience grief and loss. It's not something most people like to talk about. But these topics do need to be discussed. On Let's Talk About Grief, 
Host Addie Anderson speaks to both professionals and individuals about grief, death, and personal loss. You'll hear the important topics, the personal and professional outlooks, and learn how to prepare yourself and loved ones when the need arises. Listen Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Says, Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Creatrix, creating the life you want with Amira Mondin. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to Amira, A-M-Y-R-A, at amiramondon.com. Now, back to Creatrix, creating the life you want. Okay, welcome back. We are talking with Johnny Davis, who survived sudden cardiac arrest. And before the break, we said that we were going to move into his turning point, when in actuality, where we're at right now is he had received his diagnosis, and he was given a uh, outlook that he would not live past age 50. He was gripped with fear, given medications, was not sure whether or not these medications were actually going to work. And uh, Johnny, as we were discussing during the break, that was just a preview of what was to come. Tell us more. Yes. So upon coming home from the heart failure uh, diagnosis. So I spent 11 days in the hospital, came home with all these pills, and now I had this, this life that I had to kind of figure out what my next move was going to be um, and what I was going to be able to do professionally, if I was going to be able to do anything professionally, so on and so forth. And it was a lot to deal with. Now, mind you, too, I was here in North Carolina by myself and all my family is still in New Jersey. So I had no immediate family here uh, to help me through anything. So the, the, the challenge going forward was just trying to really live. Now get back to just being able to do the basic things, like take a shower, dress myself, feed myself, eat, uh, being able to go to the store and, and take care of the little things that I need to take care of because of, because I was taking so much medication, I was uh, my driving privileges were like taken away from me for six months, so I had to have somebody take me everywhere that I wanted to go, and uh, it was just a difficult time. But I remember what Doctor Cowboy Boots told me. He said it was going to be rough. It's going to be tough before it gets better. It's going to get worse for you before it gets better. But as we figure out exactly what this how your body's going to respond to all of the medication, you know, you're going to have to kind of power through it. And so each day, I just, I just powered through it the best way I could. And it was a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain. Um, there was some, there was some very dark days, 
some very dark moments where it was just a lot to bear, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I think because I was taking so many medica- so much medication, mm-hmm. it's probably some, some of the side effects from the medications mm-hmm. was making me have these crazy, crazy thoughts. It was a very, very, very tough period. It's a very tough time. So but, when you say that uh, every day you had to power through, you said you're talking about being in these dark times. You're talking about the side effects, uh, giving you crazy dreams and crazy thoughts. And every single day you had to power through one day at a time. What does powering through look like? Powering through looks like for me, I had to just sit down in my living room and just calm my mind as best I could. You know, I remembered all of, all of the training that I had received, that I had gone through, through my personal development journey for my, my network marketing business. And those, those things that I learned that I used to teach my team, I had to now really apply it in a different area of my life, and not just for business purposes to manifest success in business, but I had to use it to keep my thoughts from, from beating, beating me up. You know, my thoughts, they turned into like gang members and they were jumping me every day. And I've had to find a quiet place, a quiet place in my mind where I can just block all of that out and find this, this place of quiet peace and serenity and focus on what I really wanted to achieve from a health standpoint and not necessarily focus on what I was going through at that moment. So each day I had to take a, a minute you know, uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes of just quieting my thoughts, quieting my mind, you know, and keeping that vision of what I really wanted to be, the healthy person that I wanted to become and not ne- not necessarily pay attention to this, this sick guy that was taking all this medication every single day, had the strength of a 95-year-old man just walking, just trying to, just trying to survive. So that's what it meant for me to power through every day reading, going through my meditation, and, and also calling my friends up in New Jersey that um, they became like my, my lifeline, if you will, because I needed someone to tell me that you can do it. It was, it was one thing to, to sit and tell yourself and meditate. That's good. That's great. But it's another thing altogether when you have people that are kind of pouring into you as well. And I needed that. I needed that at that moment. I needed someone to tell me, keep going, keep going, keep going. You can do it. You know, we're praying for you. Keep going. So every single day, that was, that was me powering through my day with my meditation and my phone calls and my reading. That was it. And you mentioned that, uh, and I know you just kind of touched upon it. You mentioned that these are principles that you learned through studying personal development and you had to implement yeah. those to make it through each day. What's, what's one of those principles? One of the principles that I had to really implement was the power of just affirmations. Mm. And I know you talk about this a lot. I sure and do. Love me some affirmations. That's talk right. about the power. But when you're really going through a situation like that, when you're, when you're physically and emotionally distraught, when you're looking in the mirror and you're seeing a version of yourself that you just do not like, or you're looking at a version of yourself that you don't want to be. We have to speak 
what you want into existence and the person that you want to become. You know, and I taught this for business purposes and network marketing, but now I had to apply it for myself and say, Johnny, your heart is stronger than ever before. You're healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your body is chiseled like an Adonis. Your heart is strong and it's working perfectly. There's absolutely nothing that you can't accomplish. You are strong. You are healthy. You are vibrant. You're full of life. And I told myself this every single day. And you're every telling yourself this even day. though you're looking in the mirror and you're seeing a reality that does not reflect or that is in direct contrast to what you're saying. How did you manage right. that? You know, because it was, it was just a, a, the thought of focusing so much on what it is that you want to become. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned this principle later on in life, the four laws of focus, but I was applying it back then, but didn't know that it was the four laws of focus. You know, the four laws of focus is what you, what you focus on grows, what you focus on seems real, what you focus on, you find, and what you focus on, you become. And I, I focused 100% on not Johnny physically transforming just the, the body, but I really understood that there was something on a deeper level that was, that was not right. You know, and I had to focus on the spiritual side. I had to get into the, to, to the spirit and the essence of what made me, what makes me this individual not focusing so much on my outer shell, but I really need to get deeper into the spiritual aspect of it. And so if the physical transformation was going to show up on the outside, the spiritual transformation had to take place on the inside. And so I focused on that. And the spirit in the spirit realm or your infinite subconscious, you rewire it, your subconscious mind, and you tell yourself a different story by repeating the same thing, repeating what you want with emotion and feeling and imagery. This is how you begin to shape and, and change what you really want to become, that individual that you want to become as you focus all of your heart and your might and your soul on it. Because if you look at the alternative, for me, the alternative was death. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy for me to not even pay attention to the alternative and only focus 100% on where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So then in speaking of, of death, uh, so you're saying these affirmations, you are committed to uh, rebuilding your body and getting healthy and taking good care of your heart. You're in the process of doing this. Take us back to these moments and then uh, what happened after that as far as your health is concerned? Well, over the course of time, my heart eventually began to get better. My health began to improve. But my heart never got back to full strength. You know, my heart was functioning at 39%. And um, it's, it's relatively low for a healthy person. But for me, 39% coming all the way from 8% was a vast improvement. Now, I didn't have the energy that I did when I was in college, you know, 22-year-old, 21-year-old uh, Johnny Davis. But I was able to function. I was able to, to build my business and travel and have some sense of a normal life with a 39% ejection fraction. Now, for those of your listeners that don't know what an ejection fraction means, ejection fraction is a measurement of how much your heart, you know, how much your, your heart is squeezing blood throughout the body. 
in the normal ejection fraction is anywhere between 55 to 70%, depending upon what doctor you talk to. Uh, so for me, my ejection fraction was 39%, which is low, again, but it's, it's not to the point where I was going to die anytime soon. So over the course of time, I was able to reach, reach that point through changing my diet, exercise, nutrition, so on and so forth. And then I received the, uh, the unfortunate news when I went to the doctor one November, in November 2012. I went to the doctor to get my echocardiogram results. And I was so excited because I had just left the gym. I was feeling great. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that he was just going to give me some awesome news that, you know, your heart is, is improving. You're going in the right direction. We've never seen this before. This is amazing. That's what I was expecting to hear. But he told me the exact opposite in November 2012. So Rachel and I, we go to the doctor. And we sit there. He says, you know, Johnny, um, I have some news. And I don't really know how to tell you, but I'm just, just going to tell you straight. He said, you know, your heart right now. Uh, your ejection fraction decreased from 39% to 25%. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how is that? How did that happen? He says, these things just happen. And with your diagnosis, it can go either way. And unfortunately, today, right now, at age 40 years old, you need a defibrillator in your chest. Because you could go into certain cardiac arrest at any minute. You could be sitting at a red light and go to sleep, light up the light, and don't wake up. You can take a nap while you're sitting at home watching television and go into cardiac arrest. You won't feel a thing and won't wake mm-hmm. up. He said, but we have, a, we have a situation on our hands. I said, what's that? He said, you need this defibrillator, but your insurance company will not pay for it because you're 40 years old and you're 100% asymptomatic. See, despite all of this my heart not functioning at the, the capacity. And even at 25%, I'm ever, I was still not showing any symptoms. Because mm. no, you're working out no and you're, you change your diet, you're eating, and you you went to the doctor saying, I know it's going to be better. And instead of being at 39%, exactly. you, I think in your book you said you were looking for it to be at least 50. It was down to 25%. Exactly. 25%. And, and so I was 100% asymptomatic. He said, well... With that being said, your insurance company won't pay for it because if you were if you were showing signs of being sick, then I can make an argument for it. Mm-hmm. But they won't pay for it. And I said, well, how much does it cost? He said, well, it's going to cost you about the same amount of money as a luxury vehicle. And that's not including the doctor's fee and the hospital fee and all the labs and all those things that go along with it. So you're looking at an extra about six, about six figures to have this procedure done. It's going to cost you that. And at the time, I didn't have an extra six figures just lying around in my bank account for heart surgery. Mm-hmm. So I went and got a second opinion from my original cardiologist. And he said, okay, well, what we can do, we can, tie, we can try titrating your medication and increasing your dosage and see what happens. I'm like, okay. So I went with that and got the medication and started taking it again for a period of about three, three or four weeks. And through the form, just like the doctor said, 
on Christmas Eve, 2012, you know, I re- Rachel told me how um, we were sitting down in our living room and we were just talking about what we we're going to do for Christmas. And, um, and at, the, at that time, too, we were also planning to have a, a baby. And Rachel was going through the in vitro process and we had all of her medications and everything on the table. So she was preparing her womb so that we could, we could get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were all excited about that. You know, she was going to get pregnant in January, have the baby in October. And we was just like, it was just a really good time in our life in that moment, heading into, you know, Christmas or what have you. And three o'clock in the morning on that night, I went to sleep, just like the doctor told me. I didn't wake up. I went to sleep and I, I didn't wake up. And Rachel told me that I, I grabbed her, I reached over and I shook her. Mm. And she started calling my name. You know, Johnny, wake up. Johnny, Johnny, you're having a bad dream. Mm-hmm. And I didn't respond. And so she turned on the lights and she saw my eyes rolling in the back of my head. And so she called 911 and began to uh, do the chest compressions on me right in the bed. And there was a time period where I didn't have a pulse or oxygen to the brain for over 16 minutes. So she began doing the chest compressions. The firemen came over, the rescue team came over, it was four of them. And they each did 300 chest compressions on me, each of them. Mm -hmm. And they shot me six times with the defibrillator. And I started breathing on my own, but I never regained consciousness. Mm -hmm. And while they were working on me and working on me and working on me and working on me, I didn't have a pulse. I mean, there was a period where I didn't didn't have a pulse. I didn't have any oxygen to my brain. And so they told Rachel, the doctor said, that the likelihood of me surviving was slim to none. And if I did, that I was going to be a vegetable because there was Mm -hmm. so much time that elapsed without me Mm -hmm. having any oxygen to the brain. So there was um, concern that I would be, obviously, brain dead. Mm -hmm. Seriously, um, seriously at a point where I didn't have any brain function. It was very limited brain function. And, yeah. um, that, I mean, that, 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 I mean, that scene, I, I can only, only imagine. And Johnny, you know, I, I want to go a little deeper here because, um, you mentioned in your book that there was something else that had occurred and that was going on in your life. And, you know, when you received the diagnosis and you're asking the doctor at this visit where you're, uh, ejection is 25% and they say these things just happen mm-hmm. in your book you mentioned something about unforgiveness and unforgiveness that was on your heart and when we come back from break would you be willing to share what that was and how you believe that that also may have some impact on what you experience would you be willing to do that sure okay so Absolutely. when we come back we're going to go a little bit deeper you are listening to Creatrix, Creating the Life That You Want with my special guest, Johnny Davis. So stay tuned as we go even more in depth in how he rose uh, to be from heart failure to heart of a champion. We will be back in just a moment.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a game changer in disguise? Are you tired of waking up every day saying, they soar like eagles and I'm stuck in the nest? Well, wonder no more. It's time to soar. Of the world's millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, almost all started with at least one unique idea. Join Crystal for a controversial look at triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a fun, financially free life with their successful guests. Listen to Soaring with Eagles. Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. And get ready to soar. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Sometimes the curveballs that life throws you are just too much to handle. You may have been abused. You may be going through serious addictions. You may be bullied. You may think it's over, and nobody cares. Stop. There is a forum for you. Listen for Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out, hosted by Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher. We give you a voice and provide an outlet for your stories. We can help one show at a time. Tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Creatrix, creating the life you want with Amira Mondin. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to Amira, A-M-Y-R-A, at amiramondin.com. Now, back to Creatrix, creating the life you want. All right, welcome back. We are talking with Johnny Davis. Uh, and Johnny, you know, before we went to the break, uh, we said we were going to go a little bit deeper. And you had received from the doctor that these things just happened and that there really was no explanation as to why your heart had failed or was failing. And in your book, you say, if you ask empowering questions, you will receive empowering answers. And you mentioned that when you were on your search of trying to figure out what was going on, because for you, you were not satisfied with these things just happen. You had a dream. Tell us about that dream you had, please. Yes. So remember, I've never had any prior history of any type of medical illness. There there was no family history at the time that we knew of. So this was all a blur. This is all an anomaly. And again, so I had to figure that out. I had to dig a little deep and find out what, what, was, the, what was the underlying issue. And, um, you know, what people don't really know is that, you know, my father and I never, we, we didn't have a relationship at all. Uh, my father abandoned us as a family when we were preteens when I was a preteen. And so growing up in the inner city in Newark, New Jersey, I mean, you, you can, this is like a typical situation for many 
men growing up in, in, in that environment. And just like many of those guys, I grew up very angry and very bitter you know, towards my dad. And to the point where I can honestly say I probably hated him. And hate is a strong word. But I grew up with all of that anger and all of that bitterness. And I can remember all throughout high school, all throughout college. You know, sometimes I would even have chest pain when I was in college, just thinking about how angry I was, you know, to be in this, this, this life and, and, and not have him around and, and for him to be living the life that he was, that he was living at that particular time. And so I carried that with me throughout my, throughout the rest of my years. And unbeknownst to me, you know, it kind of turned me into an individual where I had a hard time forgiving people that I, that I felt did me wrong in some type of way. If you talk, if you crossed me, if you betrayed me, mm-hmm. if you did something that I didn't agree with and I trusted you, anything that you did to me personally to betray me, I took it to heart and I internalized it. I, I wasn't able to detach from it and move on. I internalized it. And I was so great. I was an expert at holding grudges <laughs> as though it was going to do anything to affect that individual. I was mad at my dad for many, many years, mm-hmm. but my father was, he had moved on, moved away, lived a whole another life and had no idea of how angry his, his son was. I was holding the grudge and it was just eating me up, eating me, eating me alive. And it wasn't until I had this dream, I was sleeping in the bedroom and all of a sudden I smelled cigarettes because my dad was a smoker. I smelled cigarettes and I could, I mean, I can vividly recall this dream and I looked up. So wait, you're, you're sleeping and you actually smell cigarettes while you're sleeping? Cigarettes. I smell mm-hmm. cigarettes. And so I get up and I walk out of the bedroom mm-hmm. and I see my father sitting on the couch And I said, Dad, what are you doing here? How did you get here? Because my father's deceased. How long had he he passed, Johnny? To help us uh, paint the picture, how long had your dad uh, passed? My father passed away back in 2003. Okay. And so this is now, we're into like 2000, we're in in 2012, 2013. Okay. So... I smell cigarettes in my bedroom and I'm like, nobody in here smokes. Mm-hmm. Where is this coming from? So I go to, um, I go to my living room and there he is sitting down on the couch and he gets up and he walks out of my back door and I can see where the lock had been broken. And I said, dad, why did you break the lock? All you had to do was ring the doorbell. I would have let you in. He said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. And then he takes me to the backyard and he shows me where my bushes is. He says, son, you got to, he never called me, son. He says, son, you got to, you got to water your bushes. You got to water, you got to take care of the bushes. They need water. I said, okay. So we walk back in the house and I'm following him. And he goes back and he walks into the darkness and I stop. I don't follow him into the darkness. Mm. And I told my mother about that dream and 
you know, she said to me, yeah, he probably came back to visit you because you, he knows that you, you two, you still aren't, you're not right with, you haven't settled that yet with him. Johnny, you need to let it go. And I used to talk to my mom about this all the time. She always used to tell me, you know, Johnny, the anger is going to destroy you. You have to let it go. Mm. And, and until you let that go, it's going to affect every area of your life. It's going to affect your health more than, more than anything else, but it's going to affect every area of your life. All the relationships that you, you, you develop with people or don't develop with people, it's going to affect everything. You have to let it go. And it wasn't until I finally came to the resolve that, you know what, I had to let it go. I had to find out exactly why my dad was the way he was. And once I found that out, once I learned about his upbringing and how he grew up and how he was treated, mm-hmm. then I was able to say, oh, okay. He was just living the life that was, was basically, that was bestowed on him. He didn't know what he didn't know. He didn't know how to love. He didn't know how to do these things because he was never shown it. And so here I am, I'm walking, I'm mad, I'm angry because I didn't know that. I didn't know how he grew up. I didn't know why he was acting the way he was acting. I didn't know why he was doing that. I just thought he was just, you know, just being a bad father. And Johnny, how many years did you carry that around for? Uh, (laughs) Up until the time my heart failed. (laughs) Yeah. Up until yeah. the time my, my heart went into cardiac arrest. Um, it was many years, many so years. So almost like your many, entire many life, for almost 40 some years, that? almost 40 yeah. years, 40 years Definitely. you are walking around with anger, bitterness, resentment, hate, judgment on your heart. Your mother prophesies over you and she basically says your anger in you is going to destroy you. Your mom said that. Mm-hmm. She did. Now, now, what do you what do you think it meant when your dad came to you in that dream and said, "Son, you have to water your bushes." What did that, what did that mean? I think his message to me was, "You have to pay attention, you know, to the small things mm-hmm. and um, appreciate appreciate life, mm-hmm. appreciate the small things in life, because ultimately the small things in life become the big things in life." The small things that we take for granted are ultimately the big things in life that we should be paying attention to. That's what I took from him. And I, and I took that dream as, as a way for him to kind of try to make amends you know, with me mm-hmm. um, in some way, shape, or form. And from that point on, I have to say that I was able to release it and, and let it go and move on. And once I found out, like I said, his history and how he grew up, mm-hmm. I was able to free myself from that bitterness and anger because I realized that he didn't have any, he didn't have any control over it per se. I mean, of course, we all ultimately have control over what we do, and mm-hmm. we can all change our our beliefs, and we can all change our patterns, and we can all change our trajectory. But if you don't, if you're not introduced to something that can change. Mm-hmm. If you're not introduced to someone, if there's no intervention in any way, shape, or form that will help you see the light and see things differently, then most people won't change. They're going to operate in this reality, in this narrative that they've created based on everything that they've experienced throughout their life. 
So he was just living out what he experienced throughout his life, and there was no intervention. There was mm. nobody that we could see that would say, hey, you should probably think about doing things this way because this is how your family is being affected. Look at your, look at your kids. Right. Look right. at your wife. Look, look at where your family is living. You should probably think differently, Johnny Davis Sr. You should probably do things a little differently because this is the effect that it's having on your family. I don't think he ever had that. Right, and right. So, we so you then are you then are forced. You are in a position where you said that you had to release that and you let it go. How did you do it? It was it was uh, it was very simple. It was very simple. I know some people probably think that this is long drawn out seance of a process of releasing mm-hmm. anger and bitterness. That's right. But it, it really isn't. It's it's when you come in contact with truth and knowledge and understanding. You have a decision to make. You can either adopt a new belief, the new truth, or hold on to the the old narrative. And for me, it was one of those things, once I understood, I was able to release it and let it go. Say, okay, I don't have to hold on to this anymore because this is not what it was. What The, the anger and bitterness that I was feeling was not the truth. It was not the understanding. It was a, It was a byproduct of what I thought the truth was. But it wasn't the actual truth. So once I learned the actual truth, I was able to let go of the byproduct. And it was just a simple decision. Okay, I understand now. Now I can let this go. And it was easy for me to let it go because it was so painful. And it was a, it was a weight that I felt on me for so many years. And when I finally let it go, it was like, oh, it was, it was like I can breathe again. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I began to see everything differently. I began to see mm. people differently. I began to see, it was like I was looking at life through a black and white lens. And when I let this burden off of me go, I saw everything in color. It's like, oh my gosh, wow, look how beautiful things are. Look how beautiful life is. And you're not walking around with this heavy burden. Oh, Johnny. Don, that, Johnny, that is so very powerful. And one of the things that you just said, you said, when you come in contact with truth and knowledge, you have a choice to make. You have a choice. And that choice is to continue to go down that path, to stay in unforgiveness, to stay in the darkness. Or you can choose to empathize without judgment and live your life anew. And that is so very, very powerful. Johnny. We are out of time, and we have not even gotten to all of the empowerment and the story of what happened uh, after Christmas Eve. So, Johnny, would you be willing to come back on, uh, because this is going to turn into a two-part series, because what we want to know now is now that you've received the truth, you've received the knowledge, you made the decision, you went into cardiac arrest. Mm -hmm. And Rachel was told that you potentially would never be the same. And here you are mm-hmm. alive and well with I, with what I know is a very, very special announcement that we want to share. Would you be willing to continue this journey and continue this story with me next week? Yes. Okay. So, so you guys, we are all out of time. Uh, Johnny, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and with all that I am and on behalf of the listening audience, because I know there are people out there that have been impacted by what you just shared, the depth of what you shared regarding unforgiveness, regarding your father, because we all 
We all have this. And we're moving into a point where people are becoming more and more aware that the emotional impact and the things that happen to us and the things that we harbor that are on our subconscious mind are manifesting themselves as dis-ease in our body. But you can. You can triumph over it all. And we're going to talk about it more with Johnny Davis next week. So please tune in as we continue how he went from heart failure to heart of a champion. Thank you for joining us. And as always, as always, you have everything inside of you to create the life that you want. Johnny, thanks for being a guest. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a fabulous week. Thank you for joining us on Creatrix, creating the life you want with Amira Mondin. Be sure to join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And remember, You have everything inside you to create the life you want.